0: Hi everyone, it's Simon here from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Paul Paluccia. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. And as the website I'm seeing here says, the number one podcast publicist for businesses. Uh, Their business, Paul and his business help business owners level up using their story. And I love a good story.
1: Just a quick Um, one, bro, before we carry on. It's Phil, not Paul.
0: Why have I got Paul? Sorry. Can <laughs> you have I two of again those, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a Paul. I'm putting it down wrong on my post it note. That's why. Sorry. <laughs> it's
1: all right.
0: I answered the good, most things. Good but thing not you Paul. stopped me. We'll do that. We'll do that again then. <laughs> I that I'm again. not going to let you go the whole way through. And not no, tell no, you it. can't. No, no, definitely not. No, definitely not. Thank you for that. Let's try again then. Hi, everyone. It's Simon here from Sterling Coaching, and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Phil Paluccia from Millionaires, sorry, Billionaires in Boxes. I will get my teeth into gear for this one, uh, Phil, I promise. <laughs> uh, and as their website says, number one podcast publicist for businesses, helping business owners level up using their story, increased market share, media coverage, and funding introductions, award winning. And as he says here, Your vibe attracts your tribe. Welcome to today's podcast, Phil.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun to be here.
0: Tell the listeners a little bit more about you
1: and the billionaires in boxes. How does all that work out? Mm. So uh, essentially, I'm a growth strategist for the emerging market and for high growth potential businesses, which is essentially a fancy way of saying I do a lot of work with uh, the investment community globally. Uh, yep. and I work with businesses who who have the potential to to have a transformational impact on people's lives on the environment or indeed on wow. an industry so um I'm a surveyor by trade so nothing to do with publicity at all um yep. found out all of this stuff through trial and error for my own business and and it was very successful so grew and sold two podcasting networks uh and then yep. grew and sold two professional services agencies using podcasting um And when I say I grew and sold them using podcasting, I literally mean I won my clients using the podcast to find them. And then the investors who bought the businesses, I also met them on a podcast. So amazing. um, And as you were
0: saying earlier on, um, 12 years of podcasting. 12 years. uh, Yeah. yeah, And thousands of hours as well. So yeah. So uh, I I stopped stopped counting.
1: I stopped counting about a year or so ago, and it was over 10,000 hours of podcasting. Um, I think October will be 13 years uh, podcasting now. So. Yeah, podcasting for me has, has been extremely transformational on my life. Um, but I, I kind of yeah. have a different opinion about podcasting to most people. I know a lot of people see it as a, a great way to build an audience and a great way to kind of sell what you're doing and all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong, it is and it, and it is useful yeah. for all those things. But that for me is a byproduct um the power of podcasting Mm. for me is in the networking right so the people who won't give you five to ten minutes on the phone to talk about your business will give you 45 to 60 minutes on a podcast interview in fact let's use this as a a great example if you were to contact my team and say i want to book phil for a 45 minute strategy session they'd say sure here's his calendar, and here's his invoice um, whereas yeah. if we, if you invite me onto a podcast to have the conversation, the trade now is, is something other than a monetary trade. And therefore, yeah. you know, we really kind of get to know each other better.
0: And it's interesting. And before we start talking about what you're drinking there, it's interesting what you say about the networking, <laughs> because you, you're right. I mean, I I've, I've listened to podcasts for a number of years. I tried learning Spanish many, many years ago by listening to my favorite podcast. And it still is my favorite podcast, yeah. uh, coffee break Spanish. Love it. Uh, and it's, you know, 15 minutes coffee break learn a few words of spanish uh but the network you know i've spoken to people on the podcast that i would never have booked a session with in yeah. in a million years that you know have come from new zealand india hawaii i've spoken to me Hawaii. i've never spoken to anybody in hawaii in my life except <laughs> for on the podcast
1: so it. Uh, yeah it definitely builds that network doesn't it it sure does yeah absolutely and you know what it's the power of collaboration as well. So I always say that business is a team sport and you know, you can be just as good at your bit, but you need to surround yourself with people who are equally as good at their part. And for me, yeah. you know, podcasting has been a phenomenal way of doing that, but not only identifying people, you know, as you said, when you gave my introduction, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, you know, I, I live yeah. by that principle. So I, I work with people that I resonate with and I say no to people that I don't um, yeah. logical or not. It's an intuitive thing. So it's the same as collaborations and partnerships. If you can collaborate with people that you all have a, a similar vibe and you all really get energized and excited by each other, you know, business, business is supposed to be fun. I'm a firm believer in that. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And as Richard Branson says, you know, have fun, and the money will come. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, Great. So we're, Listeners, today we're not going to talk about coffee because I'm not drinking coffee, actually. I'm all coffeeed up today, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so I've actually got a flask with some, some juicing it because I've had a bit of a sore throat for the last couple of days and I've done way too much talking. And Phil, you're not drinking coffee too, so tell us what you're drinking and why, because you've got quite a story behind why you're drinking that.
1: Yeah, so I was a big coffee drinker. Um, in fact, I was a bit of a coffee snob. Um, had one of those gorgeous little Italian decanter things that I would make my mm. espresso in. And, and, and I was all about the freshly ground coffee. Um, but beginning of last year, so kind of March, April time, maybe, um, I was at the liverpool Atletico madrid game, which was the last game uh, that was actually allowed fans, a full stadium of fans. And mm. it was six days after Madrid had gone into lockdown with COVID. And I ended up catching the wretched COVID, wow. um, which at the time wasn't all that bad, believe it or not, but it was that I had mm-hmm. long COVID and long horse symptoms for a while. So I had about six months of pneumonia and, um, yeah, some, some very unpleasant things for somebody who, yeah, yeah it's not, not very nice for somebody who's usually very fit and healthy. Um, but sugar and caffeine were two of the things that were real triggers for me. So I had to cut both of them out of my diet completely. So I'm drinking a giant mug of green tea. Because um, green tea has now become my go-to choice, and I'm also drinking about six or seven liters of water every day, which my body has now got fully used to. So,
0: yeah, and the listeners won't see this obviously on the audio, but that's a that is a big mug of green tea that's as well, a isn't big it? Mug. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a like, proper it's, mug.
1: It's like times two size mug, and it says <laughs> it is. "most awesome dad" on it. So I'm quite proud of this mug.
0: Yeah, amazing. And it's it's interesting what you said about triggers because you know. Uh, you know, I'm sure I haven't heard of that and listeners, you probably haven't either, that certain things can trigger um, sort of those aspects of long COVID as, as mm. well. And, you know, we we often hear a lot of the news and the headlines that we they people want us to hear. But it's those little details that are really intriguing. And what kind of way would it what kind of things would it trigger then if you did have caffeine or sugar? how did you find out about it?
1: it was, um, same way you kind of deal with food allergies, I guess it was a case of sort of taking everything out and then slowly starting to introduce stuff back in to kind of see what it was that was causing right. the trigger. But for, for, I think everybody was slightly different with the triggers, but for me, I was having, um, I had chest palpitations and stabbing pains in my chest that were quite painful, um, migraines for the very first time in my life, never had a migraine before this. And now they yeah. they were a relatively common occurrence. I'm 95% healed now, touch wood. Um, Pneumonia was a pain, but I would, my caffeine, if I had caffeine, I would cough far more and that would make my chest feel much tighter, much more sore. Um, But also acid reflux. So, one of the things that a lot of people are experiencing is gastro issues um, and having like really severe acid reflux and heartburn and um, it's just not very pleasant. So, I know a lot of people, for example, who have it have had some success by going on a low histamine diet you know cutting out acidic foods and cutting out certain meats and yeah it's been it's been a real trial and error kind of thing but you know for me it was just a case of i'm a very strong person mentally so i know a lot of people was kind of like is this it for me now is this my new way of life and for me i was from day one um i mean i didn't expect it to take so long truth be told but from day one my attitude was no no i will I will recover from this and I'll be stronger than yeah. ever. And in fact, if anything, I I am fitter and healthier than ever. And, th- and there's, there's probably two reasons for that. Number one is the dietary changes that I've made. Um, yeah. And I'm going to keep those because I'm eating far healthier. And, Why not? Um, you know, I've gone from six or seven cans of Coke a week to zero in the last 12 mm. months and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I used to have several cups of coffee and tea every day and I'd have two or three sugars in each and, you know, probably yeah. looking at, 10 sugars a day kind of thing. And now there's none of that either. Um, junk food. I like, I don't like snacking on chocolate and crisps anymore cause I I'm scared it's going to cause a bit of an acid thing. So I don't do that anymore. Um, but actually one of the biggest ones for me was I, I simply didn't have the energy to work. So even when I did start to come back to work, I had to set boundaries for myself. And one of the things I did, which I'd probably implemented about 12 months ago now, um, and I'm going to keep it forevermore because I love it is I I now do four day weeks. I work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, revenue has doubled. My efficiency has gone through the (laughs) roof. People get so much more of my time. And uh, I don't know whether this is the, the real reason why, but I always say to people, you know, when I was in the corporate world, Thursday and Friday were almost my favorite days because they were the closest days to me getting a rest. Um, and now every day feels like Thursday, Friday because I've got Monday, Tuesday and I'm right. off on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm off for the uh, weekend.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? You know, that, you know, the, this pandemic, we're in, and I think there's lots of other disruptions that have happened over the, the years. And, you know, and I've been around long enough to see, you know, nothing like this, but certainly some quite significant disruptions. Yeah. And very often we do have to adapt and change our behaviours. And we do have different outcomes. I remember a coach that I worked with talks about outcomes as being different to results mm. because outcomes are what we have are expected or unexpected so the you know, you talk about um you know cutting out sugar you know i've changed my diet as well over the last 18 months and mm. lost about two stone and one of the outcomes of that you know the result is losing weight but the outcome is i've had to go out and buy new clothes yeah
1: <laughs> so uh, with you. and
0: yeah. on one of one of the outcomes is i can now fit in a shirt that i purchased in 2005 that i've never worn mm. since the day i bought it i love it, it it didn't fit afterwards so we all have those things that we can decide to keep or we can decide not to keep can't we and you, you're you know, so it's right. good that
1: you you're making those decisions and such a good work-life balance as well and do you know what and i think that's the that's an extremely important one is that you know I'm a, I'm kind of anti this whole hustle, hustle, hustle mentality because nowhere in there does it mention rest and rest is an incredibly important component of success. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I have a young family that I, I work to provide for and, you know, I've, uh, now more than ever do a very good job of that i mean we've come from uh i've come from being a single you know being in a single parent family on benefits kicked out of school at 14 never knew mm-hmm. eh, never had two dimes to rub together kind of thing we had no money um even had a couple of occasions where i've slept rough you know literally coming from zero yeah. money um yeah. and now you know we're in a fortunate position that i rarely even look at our bank account because i have no reason to um yeah do what i want and and have a very nice lifestyle because of it but for me you know spending time with my children is the most important thing in the world so i you know that's what that's what those wednesdays and and saturdays and sundays are for that's my time with my family and my phone is off, and no work gets done um and, and i think that's it's really important to set those boundaries because it's very easy to fall into the trap of well i'll just hustle until we get to this point and then, you know, that point never seems to arrive, right? So if the next thing you know, you, you, you're saying, well, I'll sacrifice spending time with my young children to kind of get to this this point in business. And then before you know it, they're off to college. They don't want to spend time with you anymore. And you've you've missed the boat. And that's that's a sad reality.
0: And I suppose, you know, the, the sort of question about what's been the most significant thing that you've worked on and is evolved in your business mm. Yeah, you know, is, is this part of it? And is there anything you can share about what's made it such a shift? Yeah. And obviously being so well and having long mm. COVID is is you know, a good reason. But is there anything else that you can tell the listeners about the changes that you've made and, and how they've managed to stick as they have?
1: You know what? I think it's probably goes back even further than that to when I first set up my business. So I'd been in the corporate world and, you know, I'd done very well in the corporate world, got to board level and was having a lot of success, but I was the classic workaholic, right? I was the um, work so hard that they don't know you don't know what the hell you're doing kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you suddenly realize that everybody's in that position and, and you know, you're in that place where, you know you're you're lying to yourself that it's more secure to have a salary than it is to be an entrepreneur because you know there's no get there's no salary as an entrepreneur true but if you if that company goes bust and you get made redundant, you and several thousand other people are now trying to look for a job you've now got no salary absolutely you put all your eggs in one basket so You know, for me, when I set up our business, for me and for my employees, it was very much about um, flexi time, remote working, being able to work from wherever we wanted, whenever we wanted, um, being results based rather than time critical um Mm. like i don't care when stuff happens provided we get to that goal it really doesn't matter to me whether you're working in the middle of the night or nine till nine it really doesn't really doesn't bother me in fact the only time i do start to have a problem with my team is when i feel they're working too much and that might sound really crazy for a business owner to say that but i don't want them to burn out you know i will i will deliberately say to them look i'm going to suspend your email account for the next 12 hours i want you to just go and walk in nature go chill out with your girlfriend go go to the pub go to the beach do something stop working
0: well it's interesting saying that because you know there's only one thing i remember from economics when i was doing uh you mentioned surveying yeah my my profession is a quantity surveyor and mm. i remember doing my degree and we had to study economics and i hated economics yeah me too because it was it was so <laughs> i i knew the answer and i could say it simply but you couldn't give a simple answer you had to give a very complex answer yeah i do remember the theory of diminishing returns yes. and it's like you said they're about the workers you get to the point where they're working so hard
1: mm-hmm.
0: get that diminishing returns where the harder they work the less they achieve they? absolutely and, and you've got to stop people doing that and i think for 100%. the listeners that's really important to recognize that
1: absolutely i would rather somebody give me you know four hours a day at 100 percent than 10 hours a day at 50 60 yeah. percent um you know it, it and it's funny that that's your background actually so i'm a valuation surveyor so we were uh, yeah. in fact my my job was the one just before yours i guess so I was yeah, the guy yeah. who rocked up to a site and said, here's how much you can afford to spend on this plot of land. Here's how much it's going to cost to develop. Then I would hand it over yeah. to the QS who'd say, and here's all the stuff you're going to need. Um, yeah. And it's interesting
0: because our first year of a degree actually had um, the, the valuation surveyors, the urban estate surveyors, as they yeah, yeah. called them on that course with the QSs. So we were actually together for the first year and then they split us up after the That's first cool. year. Yeah. Well, what's really so, frustrating.
1: Well. I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I would be so frustrated if I still did, because, you know, I spent three, four years studying Parry's book of valuations and getting used to yields and returns. And now the thing's an app, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't need to know how to do any of those calculations anymore. You just just type in the numbers and it's done. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that five, six pages of long form calculations that I'd have done to tell you what the yield is is now like a a piece of AI software that gets done in 30 seconds (laughs)
0: So, so you mentioned obviously, you know working a four day week and doubled. I think you said doubled your income or doubled your yeah,
1: revenue. Doubled revenue. So, recently,
0: yeah. how how was it before, and how has it been since? And I'm not talking about going way back to when you were in corporate, but you know, but before yeah. you sort of had this shift of working a four day week and uh, you know having mm. this balance of health and life, and perhaps some real realization of you know how health is with you. Mm-hmm. how was it before and how has it been since
1: i was a workaholic i mean I, I, it's it's very natural for me to become a workaholic i think it's in my dna um and i put a lot of that down to the fact that i did come from you know did come from poverty so even when I'm making money, I always want to make more because I'm never sure how long it's going to last, or at least that was my attitude. Yeah. So I would just push and push, but it was that, you know, uh, you know, diminished returns. I was pushing myself yeah. too far. Health wasn't great. Relationships were suffering as a result. And, you know, I, I, I would push and push and push. And, and, you know, I have as I said, I got two young children and the thing that up until about 18 months ago that they would have told you about me is that daddy's always working. Um, yeah. I work from home, but they still never see me because I'm always working. And, I think the reality is that I was kind of, and it seems like a strange thing to say this, but I want to be very honest with your listeners because hopefully other people can kind of grow from this as well. I think I was driven by stress, right? So every time there was a stressful situation, that was kind of how you got the best out of me was put me into a stressful situation. And I was a great firefighter. Um, And one of the things that I've learned now is that it's better to deal with the situation early on and not allow it to become a fire so it never needs fighting. Um and and actually life is so much calmer, it's so much more fun. Um it sounds like you sounds like you're squeezing so much more out of it as well, don't you? Because oh, when you
0: have that sure. space, you can take the time to get more out of it. And I'm yeah. like, you know, we're very similar because you know I I have to work to a deadline. Yes. I love deadlines. And yeah you know, I, i'm not the kind of person if i if i have any work to do and i get six weeks to do it i spend six weeks doing it i spend the night before doing
1: it. oh i think that's a surveyor thing dude i'm exactly <laughs> it the must, same. Be. Yeah. must be yeah i'm exactly um, the same even at university but, it was like you know you'd have eight weeks to do an assignment and i'd still be doing it the night before
0: yeah um yeah you and me both but but i think i think it's it's interesting what you you've said there about the getting that balance right and the kids not seeing you and it's its having that purpose for changing mm. it and it sounds like you've got that purpose right and some yeah some of us struggle to find that uh, realization that that's how we are what would you say to the listeners who perhaps think they're working too hard or they think they're a workaholic but um, and perhaps stress is driving them yeah but they they can't really identify it what can you do to you know, give to the listeners where they can say that's me i need to do something about this because i think that's the point we need
1: to help people with mm, you know what it's probably not even going to come from me it's probably going to come from their friends and family it's going to come from their loved ones because you know it's that saying isn't it you can't see the wood for the tree it's like when you're yeah. in that position it is very difficult to, to identify that for yourself you know but if you there's probably two things I'd say. Number one is if you have a conversation with your friends and your, your loved ones and you say, look, do you think I work too hard? Do you think I'm pushing this too hard? You might actually find that they just kind of almost scoff and laugh at it. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Like, is that yeah. a serious question? And, and another one, I mean, even initially, I'm a big believer in intuition and feeling, if the prospect of going and sending a text message to your best friends right now, or going and having a chat with your spouse and asking that question is making you feel uncomfortable about the answer, then the answer is probably already. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. you see what I mean? So if you're sat there right now thinking, "Oh, I don't really want to ask my wife that because I'm worried what the answer would be. You've already got the answer. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think the important thing to remember here uh, and the corporate world kind of teaches this, this, wrong in my opinion you know is the harder you work the more you achieve and yeah. that's not true right you know i mean how many times in the office was it kind of a you know you've got to be the first one in and the last one out to show that you're the hardest worker in the office kind of thing and yeah. that's such nonsense it's just such a nonsense culture Right. I'd be more impressed with you if you could achieve in four hours what some people are achieving in eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to be more impressed with you, not less. I'm not going to punish yeah. you that you've gone home at lunchtime because you smashed your quota. Good uh, I, for you. I, I, I had
0: I had that with a client just the other week. We're in a board meeting and um, the, the the managing director who's away from the It's not really a managing director because he's actually not working the business anymore. It's, it's mm. the father of, of the business, if you like. But one of the members of staff, he said, this guy's just so lazy. Mm. You know, he's just sat around, he's milling around, going really steady. He's not rushing around like his rear end's on fire. Uh, And I asked the question, I said, well, so I asked the the real MD, the guy who's really running, it, who's his son. Yeah. Is this guy getting his results? Is he doing what you're giving him? He said, is he doing what you're doing? He said, this guy is doing twice as much as I give him. He's over, you know, performing. So, what's so, the problem? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was the question. Yeah, well, it's a way it's just not working hard, is it? You know, if you can do that, that's getting working harder, and you could do even twice as much as what. Mm. And yeah, and people see it from that perspective, and that's the wrong way, isn't it? You know, it's got to be more results and outcomes driven.
1: Definitely. Well, my last boss, if you want to call him that, was probably. I mean, it was over a decade ago now, and he's still somebody that I do some work with to this day. I, I love the guy to pieces. And it's funny, actually, because he's been a mentor of mine for a very long time, and our businesses are now probably similar sizes in terms of yeah. revenue and turnover, but I still consider him a mentor um, because I've, I have learned so much from him, and, and he's become a dear friend. But he knew that the two things that motivated me the most were money and time. Mm. So what he would do is he would say to me, okay, look, i um, what you're going to do is as soon as well, let's agree a target for the week, for the month, whatever, yeah. as soon as you've hit that target, you can go home. I don't care whether that's tomorrow, whether that's five days, 10 days, you go home. Right. So we used to do it like weekly mostly. Yeah. And then what started happening was I would only ever work Monday, Tuesdays and half day, Wednesday, and the rest of the week I'd be off. So <laughs> great. Everyone was like, this is ridiculous. Phil's only part time. Like what's going on. He said, but I'm getting everything I'm asking from him. So then what he said was, I'll tell you what, Let's agree a target. So let's say that target would be, I don't know, 10, right? He said, I need to do 10 for me, but if you get to 15, I'll give you an extra grand and you can still go home whenever it's done. So then I'd get 15 done by the end of Wednesday. Yeah. So I'd be earning an extra grand a week and I'd be off Thursday, Fridays. And yeah. he was like, well, I'm getting everything I want from him. He's getting yeah. fully recovered over a four day weekend. So that by the time he's back in on Monday, he's a hundred percent charged and ready to go again. And there were people even within the business that would kind of look at that and be like, this is ridiculous. Like Phil's only part time, yeah. but.
0: But it feels so alien, doesn't it? And I'm sure there are people listening to this who run a business and have a team working for them that are feeling really uncomfortable about what we're talking about. Because yeah. if you're working two and a half days a week and getting results, then all they all they want to do, you know, and it's it is a very let's much a, the a results. Natural, yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. Is, okay, let's double it. Let's let's give them more work to do. But what you don't realize is what we we're talking about earlier on with with Phil is that diminishing returns. You're just burning people out. Yeah, you are. You are, and you're going to lose. At the best case scenario, is you're going to lose your staff.
1: Well, let, let's worst put worst, this case, into worst it.
0: case scenario is you're going to put them in a grave. Because I know people who have sure, literally ended up in an early grave because their
1: bosses have driven them that hard. Well, look, let's let's put it into a completely different context because sometimes it's too close to the point when we're talking about business and people, as you said, people will be uncomfortable with this. But one thing that especially in this country we can all relate to is football, right? If yep. you've got a striker who's scoring 20 goals a season, that doesn't mean that you could play a game every single day and expect them to be scoring two or three goals a game. That's Good not, point. that's not how that works. If you push that striker to play more often than he should, he's going to get injured. He's going to lose form. He's going to become disappointed, disheartened, discouraged, and yep. you're going to burn the player out. And And he's probably going to want to leave and go to another club. That's going to manage him better, right? Yeah. Because you're overusing them. So, don't be greedy and say i've got a 20 goal a season striker i wonder if i can turn him into a 40 goal a season striker be grateful that you've got a 20 goal a season striker and give yeah. them what they need in terms of the support and the rest and the encouragement that they can remain consistently that 20 goal you know yeah. a season striker that that's how you get the best out of your team it's not you know push 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 and it's not punish them either I mean I've, I've worked environments I'm sure you have too where you know you give 110% to try and impress them and then that becomes the new norm you know it's almost like now uh-huh. that's what's expected of you so anything less than 110% and they start to go oh he's taking his foot off the gas he's not working yeah, so it's like well sure. who can run around at 110 miles an hour for very long it's just yeah. it's not going to happen
0: and and yeah you know, as you're talking there i think the example of the football striker is such a good example and it's not just our team i think you know those of us who are business owners we actually need to recognize that in ourselves as well Absolutely, don't we, we do. because yeah i know people you know when i was in construction and i had my own construction business yeah i had other people that had their own business and they were in awe of me because of the time I took off and I learned to fly helicopters and do all kinds of things in my spare time. Awesome. And usually they told me that they were paid less than most people in their business. They worked the most hours of anybody in their business and they had the worst working conditions of anybody in their business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why would you own a business and do I'm that? i so with you. And, and very often they say, yeah, but in the, in the long game, I'm going to get the results. Well, <laughs> if you, if you get that far. Yeah. If
1: you don't keel over before you get there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm so with you. And, and I, I can't stress the importance of rest in your success, yeah. like genuinely. And, and actually there are, and it sounds so counterproductive when I say it, but I swear it's true and, you, and you'll back me up. I'm sure there will be people listening to this that if they only worked half the amount of hours a week that they're currently working, their business would be far more successful, their marriages and relationships would be far healthier and happier. And they would be better, more rounded individuals, having a tremendous amount of success, you're working too hard. And that's, that's not how we've been taught. It's been push, 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 grind, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And that, that, I really detest that approach because yeah. what that does is that says to people that all you have to do is just keep running at hundred miles an hour and everything will be okay. Well, as anyone who's ever ran a marathon will tell you, if you try sprinting the whole way, you'll get about three months <laughs> in and pull something. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. you have to pace yourself.
0: Yeah, the, f- the football phil you're pushing me a little bit because football isn't my thing but when it comes to running the marathons you're definitely out of my zone there, oh because dude i, I don't I, run, I don't i don't run to the bottom of the garden no, you know
1: i'm with you dude it, it was
0: more for the people i'm not a runner <laughs> yes.
1: in fact when i when i was in the world of sport for me it was dead funny because we did the um, we used to do these fitness tests like bleep tests and stuff to see how long you yeah. run and endurance and things And I would get, I don't know, let's say like 12 kilometers. I could run 12 kilometers and then I'd be like, no, that's it with me, done. But if you stick a ball in front of me, I could run for like 20 kilometers because now I was focused on the ball. Um, But so, so yeah, I'm so with you. It's not my thing either. (laughs) I get very bored with that, but my, my, my point remains the same. You have to pace yourself. You You can't, you know, again using the striker analogy if you ran around like a lunatic for 60 minutes of the game and in the 65th minute somebody puts an incredible cross into the ball but you've busted all your energy and don't have the energy to get in the box to get on the end of it you're not a more productive striker you've just missed the opportunity you've burnt yourself out whereas if you've paced yourself throughout the game and now have the energy to leave that defender standing to run into the box and score that winning goal surely that's what should be celebrated not the fact that you ran around like a nutter for an hour yeah
0: and I've got to ask the question there because uh, you said about you know putting it into the box. Yeah, y- your your business name, billionaires in boxes. Yes. What does that mean, and where does it come from? You told us a little bit about you know the growth strategies, mm. but, but you know what a great title, billionaires in boxes. Just Thank you. give the listeners a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know what, originally the name was a joke. Um... Okay. which now i actually quite like i quite like the fact that the business the tv brand the podcasting and all the coaching stuff is all under that name because it really kind of captures my sense of humor um but what had happened was we actually had the business under a completely different name and uh, let's go back a few years now and we got picked up by a couple of international radio stations so we were doing like the business hour on their show those shows both already had names so it's kind of like Radio 4's business hour, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so when we got picked up by our first TV network, we needed a name for the show. And everything I suggested they hated. Um mm. and it wasn't even like there was some room for a discussion there. Like they detested everything I said, to the point where I think they were getting close to asking me to stop making suggestions. So I just started getting silly with it. And then eventually I said, Well, why don't we call it billionaires in boxes? Because I grow global empires from home and I rarely put on pants. <laughs> and it was like it. that's actually really funny we should use that and i was like it was a joke but then the the first season was so successful that people started to recognize us as the billionaires in Boxers guys before they even knew our name so we did a complete rebrand that everything came under the name billionaires in Boxers. but what i love the most about this brand is that other than the fact it's my sense of humor it, it means something different to everybody else so everybody will yep. say something to me and i'll have people who'll say well for me it kind of indicates you know you're talking to really successful people but like in their boxer shorts so you're hanging around in your lounge having a really relaxed conversation it's like well that is kind of what it means yeah yeah i'm glad you said that about the pants as well yeah yeah. and then and then other people will say things like well i thought it meant boxers is in the sport so it's more like really successful people in that sort of fight and grind stage of their life when they've when they've had to really fight their way out and i'm like well actually that's true too um you know, and I, I don't know. Like people, people have different kind of opinions on what it means. But but I, but I love the fact that everybody's interpretation, no matter how personal it is to them, there is some basis in actually that that is kind of what we do.
0: And Phil, I went through three. So when I first saw it, and I looked at the website just before we jumped on this, I looked at it and thought billionaires in boxes. So this is cardboard boxes yeah. with people who have. Become billionaires that yeah. almost give advice out to other people. I love that, dude. Then I went to the the boxing ring, and I thought, yeah. No, no, this is this is more about you know putting your hands up and you know fighting the fight of yeah. And then I went to the pants, yeah. And I thought, I actually think it's the box. I think it's the pants. Yeah, that's that's what it is. And obviously, for <laughs> American listeners, pants mean something different over here in the yeah, UK. But <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah. And, and I went through all those three, and I came to the to the one which was thankfully the one that you said about well it's it's the I, I
1: the the three that you've given i actually agree and resonate with all of them there is absolutely exactly. an aspect of all three of them and uh, although what i would say is we are in the process of actually having uh, billionaires in boxers boxers designed which i'm quite excited <laughs> about um we've been told that for a couple of years now you've got to have boxer shorts with billionaires in boxers and it's like yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it so we eventually said yes let's do it we found somebody to, to help us produce them and um, what a great idea yeah well why not it's just a bit a bit of fun yeah. isn't it but it's um, for me it is very much about that you know I, I'm, I'm somebody who really enjoys those um, that's why I like podcasting right it's authentic but those long you know the conversations that you have with people where it's kind of like the conversations that run through the night and you're just yeah. kind of sat in your lounge having re- nice and relaxed and you're having these deep philosophical conversations about what's important what's not you know and it's yeah. very very relaxed you know it's the I want to get as far away from that booted and suited corporate boardroom talk as possible and it's far more you know let's let's have a conversation about what's actually important here yeah. um, you know and, and I've learned so much from that like I've, I have we have mentors in our network who are billionaires and and I've learned money from them and I've learned business from them but I've also learned you know I've had the benefit of people saying look phil i was married for 20 years and i was in this industry for 40 years and my biggest regret is that i didn't spend enough time on my marriage because i was spending so much time at work that now i'm divorced so yes okay i have all this money but my wife's happily remarried they went on to have children i never did that and that's my regret and it's it's hearing that 40 years earlier kind of gives me the opportunity to make sure that that's not the mistakes that i make and and I'll be forever grateful for that. But again, you don't have those conversations with people in the boardroom.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting what I said, you know, from the website, you know, it's the stories, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we all oh, have a story, sure. you know, I have a story, you know, I was, you know, certainly burning it quite hard. You know, I was running a, a motorcycle team, flying helicopters, driving fast cars, you know, living the dream four or five businesses on the go. And, you know, we had two adoptions, and I've never shared this on the podcast before, but we had two adoptions that went horribly wrong. Mm. And my my wife, Angela Bessie, she ever listens to this it'll make her hair stand up on the back of her neck. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, we can't have children ourselves. Um, and she went through a menopause at 23. Oh, bless you. And I decided one day that if I want to have children, I've, I've got to leave this marriage. Mm-hmm. And I loved it to bits. And I went to see Tony Robbins. Uh, to get enough motivation to get divorced. Wow. That's why I went to see him. And I spent four days with Tony Robbins and came back and I've got goosebumps all over as I'm saying it, but came back from that four days Mm. with the completely different attitude about making the marriage work. And I found different ways of meeting the need to have children. I contribute to businesses and lots of different people in all different ways and charities. And yeah, we've been married now for another 20 years since since then and it's those stories that you know you've shared earlier on and i've just shared they're the things that when you tell those stories they stop people in their tracks and say i need to do things differently and i think if we can have an impact like that just you and i talking now yeah will have had an impact on the listeners and listeners i hope you take the value of this you can do the same you can share your stories
1: Mm.
0: with people have those conversations have those conversations with yourself sometimes as well Mm -hmm. and having impact on other people by sharing those stories. And I love the way
1: that that's recognized in, in your website and your branding as well. Well, in in everything we do storytelling and thank you for sharing that because it is extremely powerful and like storytelling is the oldest form of education, right? It was around long before our established education systems. You know, it was all about storytelling and and mentorship and leadership and, and guidance and support. And, you know it, i think we can we can do a lot more wrong than kind of go back to that yeah. um and, and you know i know for, for you know the, the the things that i've learned in my life that that hold truest to me i've always been wrapped in a story yeah. right because you remember the story and you remember how that story made you feel and you remember what it's all you know even things like if you were to say um sounds like a weird one i mean i'm going a slightly different direction here but um you know i've i've had friends who've unfortunately lost children mm. and you know if you talk to me about the bare bones of what happened in those situations you know, the medical conditions and that kind of stuff it's very clinical it's, it's exactly what happened but it's mm. very clinical but that's not why i remember it and think about it and it's not the reason it has a, a staring emotion and impact on me it's the story and the emotion behind it. And too often in business, people will take their emotion out of it and just try and talk about the cold, hard clinical facts of what you do as a business. Whereas, you know, because people go, well, why would why would anyone care that the reason I've started this business is because of this, this and this? That's the, well, that's the wrong, that is the most <laughs> important thing. It's yeah. so wrong. That, that yeah. is the main reason. Like when I so when I say, you mentioned it earlier, when I say your vibe attracts your tribe, right? What I'm essentially saying there is, I want you to do business with people that you resonate with. We've all worked with people that we really wish we hadn't bothered. Right. So set the bar and say, no, it doesn't matter if it makes logical sense to work with this person. How do I feel about working with these people? How do I feel about hiring this person? How do I feel about selling part of my company to this person? How do I feel about working with this marketing agency? start using intuition and feeling as your barometer for what you should and shouldn't be doing in your business. Yeah. And not only will you have a tremendous amount of success, but it will feel better, right? Cause how many people have made money and then still been miserable when they get there because they've made it doing something they don't like.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And they're compromised on those immutable values that Absolutely. they really should not have compromised on. I'm sorry so, so before I ask you to to give the listeners something that they can take away and do something with, mm-hmm. How do people connect with you? What can people do to digest more of, you know, your content, you know, your business, you know, what the team put together? Where, sure. where do people go to find out more about you?
1: The best place to go is our website, which is billionairesinboxers.com. Um, not least of all, because everything's on there in terms of the services that we do. So, if you're ever interested in having a chat with us about that, you're more than yep. welcome to. Um, we do spend the vast majority of our time these days working with the investment communities and working with their portfolio but i remember where i came from so we still Mm. have very affordable group training and and starter packs for people which is often just to you know it's a bit of a here's a fish while i teach you how to fish so that you can kind of go and implement it for yourself and you know if that can help you to unlock that next level of your business then great plus my podcasts are all on there so You can go and check those out and have a good listen. Um, That's definitely a good place. If you do have any questions for me, LinkedIn, I'm sure we'll put the link in the show notes below, but my LinkedIn is always a good place. So what I would suggest is click on the show notes, uh, click on the LinkedIn profile below, uh, connect. But when it says connect, click add note and just let me know where you've come from and that you've heard me on this podcast because then I I won't duplicate. I'll know where you've come from. I'll know the discussion that you've heard.
0: Perfect, perfect. Um, So go and check out the website, have a listen to the podcast. You know, you've got somebody here, listeners, who has had twelve years of experience of being on podcasts, over ten thousand hours. Which you know, as we all know, that ten thousand is the critical sum of you know mastery. So you know, take advantage of listening to to Phil's podcast. So Phil, if you could give the listeners something to take away, one tip, one thing that they can take away from this podcast and do something with, what would it be?
1: Can I give two? Absolutely. I want to give one for business and one for personal. Great. Uh, Let's do the personal one first. Start planning your calendar around the unmovable things rather than planning work and then seeing what you've got time for. So put in your calendar right now. Get out your calendar for next month on your phone and block book breakfast with your family dinner with your family weekends off the football yeah. games you want to watch you know uh, movie night start putting those in your calendar right now so that when people are booking things in they book it around those things mm-hmm. it's start start with a bit more self-love put yourself first put those things in there and keep keep the bar that high don't move them for anybody um, they are there for you and for your family and for your Big loved tip. ones Yeah, Um, that would be a big one. And I promise you, you'll become more successful and more efficient because of it. Um, The business one that I would say, although the first one also applies to business, um, the business one that I would say is try and move away from the, the corporate lessons of, you know, competitiveness. Uh, in terms of, you know, I don't want to tell my competitor what I'm doing. I don't want to you hmm. know, give them any information. Collaboration is key in business. There's plenty yeah. to go around. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We live in a very abundant world. And, and actually, by collaborating with the right people, you know, using that football analogy, you can be the best striker, but who's delivering the crosses into the box? Who's winning the ball back in midfield for you? You know, who are your defenders? partner with people who are equally as good at their bit i call these non-competitive partners these are people who work with the same customers as you but do a completely different service start working together to refer people to each other to collaborate to open up your phone books and see who you can help and not only will business flow as a result but you'll be a lot more energized by the people that you're working with and you'll get to share best practice and learn from each other and it will have a tremendous impact on your business, so I would I would definitely advocate yeah. doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think listeners, there's there's a third one which you know Phil mentioned earlier on. If you think you're working too hard, mm. go and speak to other people, ask definitely. them. And it's really important what Phil said there. If you feel uncomfortable asking that question of somebody else, then that is the biggest sign that you are definitely self-aware that you're working too hard mm-hmm. and that's really important to realize that and just you know take a moment and you now even some of the bigger, biggest organizations in the world Salesforce for example they work on eight-week cycles and they have six weeks on a project and then they take two weeks off six weeks on two weeks off and we're very we're all trained to have this quarterly push and then we we finish it and we go to the next quarter yeah. we, we need to take that rest we need to take that time whether it's a four-day week or anything that's still shared with us i think that's really important so I'm, I'm going to ask the next sort of green tea drink mm. uh question if i can
1: mm.
0: if you were to have and i, I, I suspect You've been a bit of a nomad in where you live as you were telling me before the recording started mm-hmm. if you're going to have your next green tea in a dream location where would that dream location be
1: it's uh it's the place that i currently miss the most which is a uh, top of table mountain in cape town um, uh, yep. i miss i miss cape town a lot uh i miss our family down there my wife is south african and and I love my time with our family down there and we spend, we spend a lot of time with them usually, and we haven't seen them for, for 18 months at this point, which is I think the longest we've ever been away from them, which is, which is quite painful. Um, but yeah, the, the place that I dream of is, is always Table Mountain in Cape Town. It's, yeah. it's my favorite place to be. The views are incredible. And there's a gorgeous little cafe up there that does uh, nice beverages and you can have a bit of a wander around. So that would be where I go and have my green tea. Perfect
0: one quick question about it what's mm. your favorite time of day because if it's got great views and you've got that cafe up there what would be your favorite time of day to be up there because you're giving us a great picture of what that might feel like but yeah what, what's the time of day sunset sunset
1: yeah sunset so it's because um, what you get is you from the from table mountain you get to see kind of both sides of of, of cape town And what you've got is you've got Robin Island and you've got the sea and and you've got the coast. But then on the other side, you've kind of got this little cove, um, which is where the strand is and things like that for anybody that knows the area. And when you're up there, you can kind of see the sun setting on one side, not the other. And because the sun hits the mountain on the cove side, it's kind of quite dark and quite gray and quite chilled whilst wow. on the other side it's kind of like bright red and it's sort of the sun is setting and it's that orange Amazing. color so yeah you get the real contrast so that that's definitely my favorite time to be up there
0: yeah well i can assure you 50 percent of the listeners right now are thinking about that's somewhere i need to go that's yeah on my well go google it
1: that's, that's the bucket
0: yeah. list now to go and <laughs> yeah. do that when
1: we can of course absolutely i highly recommend it and uh and not least of all because i work with the south african tourism board <laughs> <laughs> um but no seriously i um i i adore the place and in fact if you if you google you know table mountain sunset you're going to see exactly what i'm talking about and there it's a go. it's a beautiful beautiful place so i would highly recommend visiting when you can
0: thank you very much for giving your time phil it's been we've had an amazing chat and so much in common with the surveying and, and yeah. other things as well uh and you know i'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you but as always i say to every guest you know your time is precious and i really appreciate the time that you've given us as well as all the nuggets, all the things that you shared with us. Thank you very much.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a, been a real pleasure to be here. I hope the audience have, have taken a lot away from it. And, and um, you know, thank you for sharing your story as well. I mean, you as you said, you've not really shared some of those things on a podcast before. Yeah. And um, I think storytelling, as I said, is, is the most important part. And the reason that I love podcasting so much, despite the work with television and radio and all that kind of stuff, is that it's so authentic. Um, And I feel like it's a great way of really kind of digitally getting to know somebody. So no, thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing.
0: And listeners, you know, you've learned so much today, you become so aware and so many things that you can take away three or four real things that you can do something with. And some great examples of the football striker uh, and, you know, having to listen to what other people tell us about our work ethics and obviously listen to ourselves by perhaps our worry about asking other people. And, of course, Phil has done an amazing job of helping me fulfill my mission to help people be more aware, better educated. And, okay, we've not talked about coffee. I'm drinking my juice. (laughs) Phil's drinking his green tea. But I'm sure you'll agree we've had an amazing time and an amazing picture that we can all go out and Google of the sunset uh, of Cape Town and Table Mountain as well. I look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye for now.